Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of For the Love of Money. And today, we're sitting down with Evan Tardy, the president of DrAxe.com. Yes, that DrAxe.com, the second largest natural health website in the world and a company that has made the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing companies out there. So you can imagine how much awesome value Evan has to share with us, such as you know, how they grew from a small kitchen table company to you know, doing over $50 million a year in a very short amount of time. There's a lot of great tips he shares there. Um, how starting and selling his first business in high school has kind of led to this success that he has today. Uh, we talk about how volunteering for free can directly help your business skill sets. There's a really cool story there. We talk about the formula that is necessary today in order to make a company grow and have your employees thrive. He gives you the formula. And best of all, Evan talks about their goal of being able to tithe 90% of their income and only keep 10 Yes, you heard that right. I don't have it flipped. Normally, people aim to tithe 10 and keep 90. They have a goal of working up to be able to literally give away 90% of their income and only keep 10. It's incredible. You've got to hear about it. So buckle up, sit down, throw those headphones on because this is an awesome episode. All right, Evan, my man, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. To- totally appreciate your time. So let's help the audience get to know you a little bit, if you don't mind. Who is Evan Tardy as a person? And then who is Evan Tardy as a businessman? Absolutely. So Evan Tardy as a person, I, am, uh, I have a one-year-old daughter. Um, my wife and I have been married almost nine years this summer. Congrats. And uh, thank you. Thank you. I live in Franklin, Tennessee. And, um, you know, I, that's me. I... I uh, as a businessman, my family, my granddad moved away from the family farm, <clears throat> and uh, he, he kind of took a risk to go start a business and, and leave the safety of, of kind of the path that was given to him, which was, you know, just kind of continuing on the family farm, and he moved to the big city of Lubbock, Texas, <laughs> <laughs> um, town of about 50,000 people at the time, and uh, he, he started a company, and my dad took over that company and runs it to this day. And so entrepreneurship and, and uh, small businesses in my blood and in my DNA, it's what I think about. It's what I love. I'm really passionate about it. And uh, I started my first business, um, as we were talking about, when I was 16. It was a mobile car wash business. And uh, <laughs> I had a, had a 1986 Cadillac Coupe de Ville that I, uh, that I got for about 700 bucks. And when I was ready to buy the car wash, um, I bought I bought this trailer. It was about seven hundred uh, pound or seven hundred gallon water tank on the trailer, but it was it was rigged for a truck, and so the all of the weight was you know to the front of the axle on the trailer, um, which was not good for my Cadillac Coupe de Ville because I put a hitch on the back of it, 
And so it created this like low rider at the back of the caddy. <laughs> so as a 16 year old, I'm like rolling in this, you know, in the high school parking lot with my, uh, with my trailer uh, attached to the back of my Cadillac and like scraping over the speed bumps, you know, in front of the school. And so it definitely got a lot of laughs, but, uh, yeah, that's how I, uh, that's how I paid my way through high school and, and was able to buy some of the stuff I wanted and, you know, started my own business then and then, and then actually ended up selling that a couple of years later. That is insane. I, you know, at 16 years old and everybody I know at 16 years old, they're, they're not starting businesses, much less do they have enough courage to have this kind of hooked up low rider giant tank on the back of their old caddy pulling into the high school parking lot. I feel like I, I would have never been able to live that down, but you pulled it off well. <laughs> Tell me about how you, how did you sell it? I mean, this is a real tangible asset that you built as a high schooler and sold. That's wild. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'd love to say it was, it was a lot more sexy than it, than it actually was. Um, I was ready to move on and just kind of tired of, of, you know, sweating it out every day in the hot sun. And so, um, a friend of mine was looking to, he kind of leave his, um, he had like a restaurant job or something and he was looking to, to leave that. And so I said, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll sell you this for the cost of the trailer. And then a little bit, uh, you know, for what the client, uh, clientele is worth. And we just made a deal and I sold it outright to him. And you were hooked. That was business number one. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Tell me a little more about that upbringing. Cause it kind of piqued my curiosity. Um, I always feel like what we see around us and what we experience around us at that young age really determines which path we're going to take. And you had used the term entrepreneurship was almost instilled into your DNA because of your family. Expand, expand on that a little bit more for me, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my dad was a, um, he was an artist. He, he, uh, he painted signs as I was a kid, um, kind of commercial signs and then took over, you know, my granddad's business. And so, my my dad was full of these these little quips. He would always say things like, um, "Can't means you don't want to or you don't know how," you know. Um, and so anytime I'm like, you know, Dad, I can't walk the dog today, and he'd be like, "Nah, uh-uh. can't means you don't want to or you don't know how." And I know you know how, you know. And so he was always instilling these things in me. Um, another of one of my favorites from him was, um, he said, "You make your money." At four o'clock on Friday afternoon. Wow. That because is... that that's when people are winding down, thinking about the weekend. And if you turn on the gas at four o'clock, that's when you that's when you get ahead. That is awesome. What an awesome upbringing. It it makes sense why you have the the level of success that you that you've had right now. Do you feel like you always knew you were going to be this successful because you were exposed to all of that type of environment growing up? You know, I, yeah, I have, I had really like successful thoughts and then I would go to the total extreme of who am I, you know? And so even to this day, I, you know, it's, I still have to kind of battle the imposter syndrome and keep it down of like, I'm going to be wildly successful someday. And I have, and I like believe that, but then, but then I walk right in, into the doors at work and I'm like, crap, who am I? What have I done? I've never done this before. I don't have that the right answer for this scenario or right. I don't have this, this experience that, uh, someone else might have that would be better equipped to do what I'm doing. And so I, I constantly have to battle that down. And in their days, I am not good at it. Right. Of, of keeping that imposter syndrome down. But, 
Um, you know, something I think even more important than that is I read a book called Never Eat Alone. My brother gave it to me about 10 years ago by Keith Ferrazzi. And he said, there was a line in there and it wasn't even, it wasn't even the core part of the book. It was a kind of tangent, but he said, you learn in your twenties and you earn in your thirties. And so that was, that was right when I turned 20. And so that's kind of been my mantra for the last 10 years is that, you know what, no matter what I do, when I would feel um, discouraged, you know, my friends were graduating college or, or starting even starting to graduate med school and uh, coming out and starting to make a lot of money. And, you know, I was still just trying to like get by and hustle and, and make things work. Like that's what I kind of kept going back to is, you know what, it's okay. You learn in your twenties, you earn in your thirties. So that allowed me to like, try stuff and volunteer for, um, all types of, uh, work and, and, you know, I've, I've, a dentist was moving to town. I told him, I'll do all your marketing. I don't want to get paid. I just wanted to cut my teeth on, you know, doing some local marketing stuff. And he's like, great. So it allowed me to try and volunteer for more stuff like that without this giant risk of failure or having to make a lot of money real quick or, or anything like that. And so as I did that, I kind of built this network of relationships, but also experience that I, you know, if I, if I was trying to earn a lot of money real quick, I wouldn't have gotten that same experience. And so that phrase, you learn in your twenties and you earn in your thirties has really been helpful for me to just kind of view everything. Even my job now, I call it the best paid internship in Nashville. Um, and so that's just kind of been my outlook and that's been really helpful for me going through my twenties, even in downtimes when I was, when I was discouraged. It's amazing. First of all, Evan, that you that you struggle with that because I struggle with that. Everybody struggles with that, regardless of what you've accomplished. I mean, here you are, the president of one of the fastest growing companies on the Inc. 500 list, right? And and you still have those thoughts that creep in. And it sounds like you kind of use books as one of the tools to cope with that. Is that right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. what are some of the best books that you've read for? All right, let's start with self development. Favorite book. Self-development. Um, I'm looking at my shelf. I have my shelf divided uh, on books that have really been foundational to me and then everything else. Uh, so books that have been really foundational are the classics, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, that one is incredible. And if you haven't read that, you're crazy. It's, it's, so it's a good. great book. <laughs> um, so so self-development, I, I would definitely say that one. Top right. of the list. So what about the best digital marketing or internet marketing book out there right now? Uh, digital marketing, you know, got to hand it to Russell Brunson. Um, he's the man when it comes to digital marketing, Ryan Dice. Um, the two of them, I would say, um, gosh, Russell Brunson's book, the name of his book is escaping me. Um, Funnel Secrets, I think is the name of it. You know, it is. It's something secrets. I forget because this book is haunting me all of a sudden. This is the second time in two days that someone's brought it up. So obviously, <laughs> it's a sign I got to get it. What about yeah. the best business book, hands down? Man, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, a lot of them. <laughs> because I think, you know, so I'm actually this year, so I, in the last two years, I, try, I read about one to two books a week. Um, and this year, I'm, I'm actually slowing down and trying to reread. And one of the books that, that kind of keeps coming back to mind is this is a book by Greg McCallum called Essentialism. And 
Have you read that one yet? No. One of my buddies in the digital marketing world, um, Craig, he just finished it and said it's a must read. Absolute must read. And as you go through it, you know, he, there are a lot of foundational principles that you're like, yeah, I kind of knew that already, but he, he, he distills it down into such a uh, simplified truth that it's, it's uh, easy to kind of take with you and it, it really kind of solidifies some of the, the concepts. Um, one, for example, is you can go a millimeter in a thousand different directions or you can go a mile in one. Right? And then he kind of expounds on some of those, those really kind of foundational principles that if you just apply them to your life, you just start to have a sense of focus and direction. And uh, he says, one of my favorite quotes is he says, uh, he's imagining the scenario of his, tomb, his uh, tombstone in, uh, you know, after he dies. And what he does not want it to say is, Greg, here lies Greg McCowan. He checked email. <laughs> I love it. Okay, that book. I'm, I'm actually going to move it up the list because everyone keeps telling me to read that. Yeah, one. it's a good one. It's you know, I want to I want to explore something that you had brought up, and and you said you had gone to this dentist and offered to do all of his or her marketing for free. Yeah. So that you could get the experience. Now, this podcast is all about success through success through giving, and I can't think of a better example of giving. You know, hey, let me go do your marketing for free. I don't need anything in return. And then having success as a result. Can you kind of open up on that example a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something I'm really super passionate about, especially if you're trying to get started in an industry. So this was when you know I was at Dr. Axe and you know, we were <clears throat> trying to figure our figure stuff out and find our way. And uh, so on the evenings, I was still trying to learn a lot of the digital marketing stuff. And I was talking. I was talking to a dentist. His name is Ryan, and uh, he was, told me he was moving to town. And so I said, "Hey, you got to read this book called uh, Guerrilla Marketing. It's it's going to be really helpful for you if you want to get some get some things going." He's like, "Great, great." I gave him the book, and I ran into him three weeks later. I'm like, "Hey, how you know how's the book?" And he's like, "Actually, it hasn't left the front seat of my car since you gave it to me." I'm like, "You know what? Don't worry about it. What if I do all your marketing for you, and I'll set it up. I'll build your website. I'll run the Google ads." Um, I'll do everything. And he's like, well, what's it going to cost me? And I'm like, nothing. I just want to learn and I want to uh, try this stuff. I think it really works. I've, I'm reading all these case studies. Let me do it for you. And so he's like, okay. Wow. <laughs> this is kind of weird, but okay. And so, so I did it. I literally, I'm like, no. He's like, well, can I pay you like something, you know, just you know, 500 bucks or something to do all this? I'm like, no, I do not want any money because as soon as I took I knew just for myself, as soon as I took money for doing that, the, the energy and the effort and the, the, um, ne the expectation of myself was, was that now I have to start acting or behaving in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so even just saying, nope, I don't want to be paid. I want to keep this as kind of an incubator and a, and a lab to experiment free of you know, risk of failure and, and just start to try and learn a lot of stuff. It kind of created that environment. So his, his expectations were like absolute zero. If anything worked, it was a win. And so that was my expectation, especially on something that I was totally green to and had no idea. Um, so I bought a couple books on Google advertising by Perry Marshall and just literally went step by step. And, you know, <laughs> the book was kind of a, a how-to manual and plugged in what he said into Google AdWords and then pushed go and watched it work and 
when he took over his practice, they were doing about $80,000 a month. Uh, and within a couple months um, from, the, from the advertising stuff that we did, that I'd set up for him, he got to 250K a month. And so (laughs) you literally three X his business just by walking in there and saying, Hey, I read a couple of books. Let me experiment on you. Yes. 100%. That's insane. What was his response? He's, he's like the biggest fan of me for life. Well, yeah, (laughs) I would say so. I would be too. The, but the, the message here is one of the best messages I think that anyone's ever shared on this podcast. And that is go find a product, go find an opportunity for you to sharpen your teeth on and do the dang thing for free. Yes. That's phenomenal. Do you have any more examples of where you or somebody else, you know, have done that and succeeded? Yeah. Um, who else have I done that for? A buddy of mine had a lighting company here and was going through, um, kind of some hard times in a relationship and stuff and his business was starting to struggle and I did the same thing. It was, it was a few months after I did it for the dentist. And I said, hey, listen, I don't know anything about the lighting business, but I'm assuming people go to Google and search, you know, and you'd probably want to get in front of them. So let me help you. And he's like, great. Anything that you do is better than, you know, what I have now. And so, I, again, I did the same thing. And uh, he, you know, set up ads, went through the whole thing, learned a little bit about the lighting industry and event industry and um, set it up. And then he... <laughs> He called me and he got, he said, uh, two months, two months after we set up this stuff and it got rolling, AT&T was doing an event. They called him and he booked the, he booked the event and it was somewhere around a hundred thousand dollar event. And he asked them, he's like, how did you find out about me? They're like, well, we clicked your ad. (laughs) So, so that, that was it. That was enough to kind of keep him going and, and, uh, keep the business kind of afloat. And, uh, that was about six years ago and we, we get play basketball to this day and, um, he's one of my closest friends now. And so he, has that ever come back to me in a monetary way? No, he's never sent me a referral. He's never done any of that. And I've never expected that of him. But I think for me, the benefit of being able to help someone like him and just approach every, every challenge or thing I want to learn with that type of attitude, um, in some way or another has, has come back to pay dividends in many, many multiples. This is remarkable. You know, you never give to get, but what an awesome example of getting quite a bit um, because you gave. You said, let me go and exercise my muscles on your business in, in both of those cases. That's phenomenal. I hope people really kind of take your cue there and, and follow in your footsteps. Well, yeah, and one thing I would add to that is to kind of underline the point of especially if you're, you're trying to learn, like I didn't quit my day job and say, Hey, I'm going to go become a digital marketer and learn it and put everything on the line and burn the ships and, and figure it out, sink or swim. I had kept my day job and did this stuff on the side and volunteered in a, in a very like low risk environment. You know, Tim Ferriss talks about a lot of people want to learn to, to cook better and, you know, become a good chef or whatever, just to entertain their friends. And the only time they practice is when they host a dinner party when everything is on the line. <laughs> so they try out a new recipe on all of their friends and it, and it doesn't work. And then they kind of, the dinner party, you know, goes off track. So give yourself, create a safe space for, for you to experiment and try stuff and learn and fail when you only have an audience of two or three, or you, you know, you fail when there's very little on the line and you can start to you know, develop your muscles and, and, uh, learn an industry 
before just kind of diving all in and, you know, putting everything on the line. That is brilliant. You know, you keep bringing up digital marketing, marketing and e-commerce and there's not a single business in my opinion these days that won't benefit from it. Every single person listening right now, they're typically an entrepreneur. So therefore they should have an understanding of e-commerce and digital marketing. Can you give us a, a generic definition of what it is? Of e-commerce and digital marketing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, just like a retail store, you know, I walk into Whole Foods for lunch here in a minute, you have traffic and then you have conversions. So when I walk into Whole Foods, I am now in the traffic bucket. They got traffic into their store. Uh, when I pick up uh, a protein bottle out of the vitamin section and take it to the counter, I've just converted, right? And so the same thing is true. Um, you know, on e-commerce and digital marketing. So at the end of the day, you have traffic, whether it comes from email, advertising, social, wherever, and then you have conversions. So if that's your e-commerce store or you're taking people through a specific funnel or, or a um, online order form or something like that, you, your goal is to drive that traffic through a conversion. And so the same, you know, the same things that apply it kind of in the real world. <clears throat> my life, my wife, um, <laughs> she likes to shop at Lululemon, right? <laughs> same with mine. So, right? <laughs> um, so she's a lot more qualified at Lululemon than I am. I shop there occasionally, but they, 90% of that store is, is women's apparel. And so they're marketing and getting people like my wife into the store. So they want relevant traffic in the store and then chances of conversion go up. Same thing online. So it applies to everybody's business right now, whether you are an online business or whether you're a physical, you know, brick and mortar business, so to speak. And you talked about it breaks down into two halves, increasing leads, which is traffic and closing yep. more sales, which is conversions. Can you kind of give us the hottest tip or, or one thing that most people aren't doing in each area in creating traffic and in creating sales or conversions? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> someone I consider the godfather of a lot of digital marketing um, is Ryan Dice. And uh, if you're looking to kind of uh, cut your teeth or, or learn more about digital marketing, um, go to digitalmarketer.com and just the free material they have on, on their blog and everything is an incredibly valuable resource just on its own. Uh, their membership is incredible too. I have our entire team go through it. Uh, we tell our team, uh, we go through a book or a course a month. If you do not have one, one will be provided for you. So <laughs> most of the time those courses come out of digital marketer that we have our whole team go through. So that definitely go check check those guys out. But Ryan Dice says, um, you don't have a traffic problem, you have a conversion problem. Imagine if you knew that every visitor to your homepage, for example, was worth $100. Do you, could you come up with some sort of creative way to get people to your homepage for less than $100? Certainly, you know, that's, that's easy. A cost per click on Facebook, even if you're bad, you know, it's three bucks, right? So, so if you're only going to focus on one thing and get really good at one thing, that start with conversions. And the pieces that apply to conversion are make sure it's um, make sure it's a relevant offer. First, make sure your your page actually works, like you can take money. Um, so if the, the 
the tech works, then the next piece is make sure it's a relevant offer um, to the audience that you're wanting to sell to. So on the conversion side, I mean, I think, I think my biggest tip is um, read everything you can on Digital Marketer about how to increase conversions. Um, and if you have a page that converts really well, traffic becomes um, a lot easier. That's awesome advice. So listen, you seem like an expert as a digital marketer, but here you are the president of one of the fastest growing companies on the Inc. 500 list. I think you mentioned that you guys are likely going to hit it again this year, second year in a row. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. So here, this kind of begs the question, are you more digital marketer or are you more of a leader? <laughs> uh, I love that question. I um, started out as a digital marketer and <clears throat> being, being an entrepreneur and, and working for Dr. Axe, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, one of the things that, that kind of helped us go, keep going is, you know, the, the scrappiness to rub two pennies together, you know, and create a dollar. And so uh, that's how I got started doing whatever I could to figure out how to kind of keep the, keep the ship afloat for one more month. Um, as we started catching momentum and, figuring out some things that worked and hiring people. Um, it, it, it took me longer than I would hope to, but uh, it, eventually I learned that I need to, it's more important for me to be a leader than for me to be an e-commerce expert. And so the reason I believe that um, personally is because I think, and, and I've seen it in our company, when you have someone who is engaged and aligned and they, they wake up, and they bring their creative problem-solving self to work every day. The difference in someone like that and this, that same person who leaves their problem-solving creative energy at home with them and they just you know, come to work and have a good job and then they go home, uh, I think the difference is, is not just like a one or, or a two times better result. I think you get a 5x multiple on your people to the extent that they're engaged and aligned and uh, bringing their energy and, and creative problem solving to work. Because when they're in conversations with people or they're, they're interviewing someone or they're working on a situation, that creative energy helps them go, to, go a little bit further, right? So I was interviewing a guy just yesterday and uh, this principle is always on the back of my mind. And so as I'm interviewing him, I, I felt like really energetic, you know, like I'm bringing it today, you know. And so I was, I was listening to him like after five minutes, you know, with an interview, typically you can tell, yeah, this, this guy's, a, you know, going to move on to the next round or, or he's a no-go. And so if I was not bringing my best self to work, typically I would say, okay, this guy's out, you know, he, he's not the right fit. Um, how quickly can I wind down this interview and, you know, you know move, move on with my day? But bringing my best problem-solving creative self, you know, to work, I felt on myself as I'm like digging in this interview and trying to look for what's what can I get out of this? Like what what could be good here or mutually beneficial for both of us? He mentioned a couple names of people that I said, you know, what, we're not looking for like you're not the right fit for this role. I don't think it'd be a good fit for either of us. But. I do want to talk to that person that you mentioned. Oh, no way. <laughs> and so he, he's like, I would love to introduce you. Um, I used to work with her. She's awesome. 
And I'm like, we're hiring in a totally different role for that that person, you know, for that type of person. And he's like, I'd be more than happy to make an intro. And so if I didn't have energy and I, I was just like, you know, going through the motions, I'm, I'm not going to, I wouldn't have ever been introduced to this girl that I'm about to get introduced to today. So, you know, the, it plays itself out in so many different ways. Um, but I really think this focus on leadership and creating this alignment and this culture among your comp- among your team um, where they, they bring their best selves to work every day, the, the return, you know, from, an, from a business owner standpoint, the return on that is so much greater than, than, you know, a staff that doesn't. But also it's a lot more fun, you know. <laughs> it's, it's fun to be, you know, the business owner or, or leading a team like that, and then it's fun for the team to, to be a part of a culture like that, uh, which translates to our customers um, that, that reflects to them. And so I think at the end of the day, everyone wins to, to the extent that we bring our best selves and, and creative problem solving selves to work every day. I'm actually still over here laughing at the fact that you're like, Hey dude, you're not a fit, but tell me about your friend. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So you mentioned culture. How would you describe the company culture that you've built there? Yeah. So culture, I, I define culture as the way decisions are made. Um, I think culture can be misinterpreted as, you know, uh, beanbags right? <laughs> and free lunch, yep. um, which, which is not culture. I think those are those maybe visible signs in some places of, of a good culture. But, um, you know, our office here is, is very open, uh, very collaborative. Um, we believe in a meritocracy. So we don't we, we promote and, and build up people based on results, not just based on politics. Um, and then we're very data driven. So uh, and, and, and transparent, you know, we have three big dashboards um, right in the middle of kind of our um, main open area where most of our team is. And they have all of our daily revenue numbers. They have our monthly goals, our quarterly goals. Um, we have some key kind of leading indicator metrics that we drive by for uh, like our auto ship program and then our our churn rate, our customer service response time, things like that. All of those numbers are up and present and it kind of creates conversation around the key key numbers that that we want to pay attention to ourselves and we want our team to kind of be paying attention to and, and problem solving around. That's really cool. Um, let me ask you about the giving portion of the, your, your company culture. What role does giving play in it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so our, uh, our Dr. X, um, the owner, he is incredibly passionate about, about just giving in, 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 uh, in general. So in his own life, in the company, um, Josh has actually inspired me to, um, get to a point where I can actually tithe 90% and keep Whoa, 10%. That's yeah. fantastic. So that is a personal goal of his, and uh, we're not there yet. I'm not there yet, but that is that is an aspiration of mine, no doubt. And so, from a company perspective, you know, we don't weave this into our marketing um, yet. I think it'll be beneficial too at some point. But um, we we're involved with a group here, local group called Mercy Ministries, and uh, we actually just merged with another company earlier this year, and. The owner of that company um, has adopted um, a couple kids from Mercy Ministries, and so, w- you know, locally we're we're very involved in 
supporting um, very specific ministries that that we all have relationships here here with locally. It sounds like you guys almost have a bit of, of faith-based leadership. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, it is. Does that help create a better culture and a, a more giving and, and philanthropic type of culture? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I, I'd say it definitely contributes. Um, I think it, it, you can have that same culture without it being a faith-based culture. Um, I, I definitely think that's, you know, woven through our fabric here is, is just this idea of, hey, we're serving people um, in a mission that's a lot greater than ourselves. So at the end of the day, like, just being on that mission creates this, hey, it, it's not about me here. You know, it's, it, it, it's so much bigger than that. And so kind of coming back to creating a culture, um, especially with millennials, um, money is only, only 25% of the motivator. You know, you have personal growth as another 25% motivator, being a part of a mission and a purpose that's bigger than just themselves or bigger than just the company is, is a, uh, another 25% motivator. And then also having a friend at work, you know, having someone that they would consider a really close friend and working with, with peers that they consider friends is, is another major, I would say up to 25% contributor to just employee happiness and creating this culture. So, so being a part of a bigger mission uh, and, and faith-based for us definitely plays into that. And then this mission that we are on to transform people's lives and health um, that that's kind of woven into everything we do. So, uh, yes, absolutely. I think, I definitely think it helps at least in, in our company. It's clearly showing, you know, it, with all of the accolades that you guys are getting as a company. Now, do I have it right when I say you guys are doing around 50, five, that's five, zero million a year in revenue? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So we did, um, 47 million last year and then, uh, we're on pace to do over 60 million um, this year. That's wild. Here's why I bring that up. It's kind of everyone's dream, right? You started a kitchen table. I think I read that you, you guys are literally started at a kitchen oh, yeah. table. And here, yep. here a few years later, it's like, was it the second largest natural health website in the world? Is that what it is? Yep, that's correct. Okay, was there a, was there a break? Was there a, a secret sauce? Like how, <laughs> how did you guys get there? Yeah, so there. So here's what I would say: there is no secret sauce. Um, when we were, when we were doing a million, two million dollars a year, and looking up to guys that were doing five or ten million dollars a year, um, I think there's this tendency to feel like there, there's this there's a black box and there's secrets in the black box, and if I could just, you know, uncover those secrets, then that's what's going to help us get to the next level. That's what's going to help us really be able to grow. And at a certain point, when I think for us, when we passed about $5 million in revenue, um, it, it was just more of the same. Re reinvesting into the company, hiring great people, developing leaders within the company, and serving customers and really becoming some of the stuff through essentialism, really focused on a few key things rather than running in a thousand different directions. Um, and so for us, you know, we sell online programs that we take people through. Uh, health programs, and we have physical products. And so um, D Josh has always been big on, on just reinvesting back into the company and reinvesting in, into the team and developing leaders. And so it trickles down from the very top. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say there's, there's really not a black box secret. It's, it's, uh, more of the same. And for us specifically, what we focused on is, um, SEO. So we put out a lot of really high quality content. Uh, we focused on social media. So, um, we, we really doubled down our, our focus on Facebook and kind of neglected Twitter and some of these others that, um, are not where our audience are, is hanging out. And so we focused on here's where our audience is. And this is one channel that we feel like we can do really, really well. So we, we, double down our efforts there and then email marketing and then e-commerce. And so by, by really choosing to focus on, on a few key pieces of the puzzle for us, that's what we're able to kind of reinvest the profits into getting better and better and better at those things rather than try, always trying new things and just kind of spreading yourself thin and not really getting in any momentum. It's incredible. Do you have one product that really took off or a favorite product or a smash hit? Yeah, my personal favorite product is a product we have called Collagen Protein. It's uh, it, it's odorless and tasteless, and it it blends in your coffee, uh, and so it, it doesn't add any thickness or anything. And so uh, it, it's an awesome product. I do it every morning in my coffee. It's it's uh, it's awesome. It helps your joints and skin and nails and hair and everything. So it, it's one of my personal favorites for sure. I'm gonna have to check that out for sure. What are you guys working on right now that you're excited about? Well, over the last three years, the ketogenic diet has really started to uh, to gain a lot of popularity, and uh, we feel like it it has a lot of potential to kind of be the next um, paleo um, trend uh, to that level. And so, we have a couple of cool ketogenic products coming out that um, really support people in the ketogenic diet. So we're trying to stay stay on the cutting edge and stay ahead of a couple of cool trends that are coming up and. So we have, we have some organic bone broth protein that's coming out this summer. We're, we have an essential oil line that we're really excited about that we're going to be launching soon. And then uh, some, some ketogenic products. So lots going on. We're, we're at about 60 products right now. And then uh, by the end of this year, we'll have 200 and, and uh, upwards and beyond after that. That is so exciting. I, I just want you to know that and I'll speak on, on behalf of my audience, the success that you guys are having online by, you know, pumping out products that are good for the world and making the world a better place. That is exactly what motivates individuals like myself and, you know, all of the listeners as well. So, so well done. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. It's very so kind. before I ask you the last two signature questions that I, that I ask everybody, where can we find you? Uh, hit me up on Facebook. If, uh, if you'd like to connect with me, yeah, just add me on Facebook. I, I do not have a personal brand. Um, so yeah, if, if you have any questions or want to connect, hit me up on Facebook. Perfect. That's Evan Tardy on Facebook. Yep. All right. Last two questions. Everybody answers them. First one is always very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So I make everybody do this. I call it two minutes of bragging and that is uncomfortable or not. What is your favorite moment of giving? Hmm. Yeah. So my, uh, my thoughts are earlier to where we got started on the kind of giving of my time. Um, bigger than that though, I would say, so a, this is a more personal moment, but I've always, I've always bought like really cheap cars and really tried to save money and, and all of that. And so I got this car, um, 
gosh, right when my wife and I got married and drove it for years. Great car. And uh, was finally ready to kind of upgrade and get a different car. And for me, I think the car was maybe worth six, seven thousand bucks. And my wife and I talked about, well, should we sell it? You know, what should we do? And we just decided, you know what? We're just gonna give it, give it to someone. And so we just called up the church and said, hey, do you guys have a, a car giving program or anything like that? And um, they didn't, but they called us back the next day and they said, hey, we we don't have an official program set up, but we actually just had someone call this week. Uh, it it was a family of with three kids. Um, the dad just lost his job. They don't have a car. He he can get a, the, another job, um, but he just needs a reliable means of transportation to be able to apply and, and get the job. Uh, so they could use a car. And so that was probably one of the most rewarding um, moments because we just, it wasn't, it would have been great to give the car to the church or whatever, but to be able to like give a car to and, and solve a very specific problem or, or need in a family's life was, I mean, I, I'm just smiling thinking about it. It's just so rewarding. That's remarkable. That had to feel like a, a billion dollars. Like there, nothing feels better than making that type of tangible impact, does it? Yeah, it, it's so rewarding. So rewarding. I love it. Congrats on, on putting yourself in the position to be able to do that. Thank you. Last question. Why should people, such as yourself, such as Dr. Axe, why should they be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? Great question. I think that at the end of the day, you, you need money to survive, right? Um, you need money to pay your bills, to eat food, etc. I think everyone would, would mostly agree with that. So in my opinion, why not be the greatest? Why not strive to be the greatest? And if you can, if you can accept that the reward is not in arriving at some six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure income or business, but, but if you can enjoy the journey in the striving towards that, like that's what it's all about, right? Whether it's, whether it's more money or uh, just mastery and, and honing your craft and being really great at what you do, whether it's leading people really, really well, um, or just in, enjoying the, the ride along the way, if, if you can commit to, to enjoying the journey, and we've all heard it and it's cliche, but if you can like, actually stop and pause and really think about that, like no matter where you're at, whether you've had some success or you're still waiting on that first kind of breaking through that first threshold, man, enjoy the journey because these are the good old days, you know? And so I think just own it. Own that you are, you're striving to be great. And I think, I think we're called as, as humans, as, as <laughs> people on this earth, we're called to strive for greatness. And some that looks like making a massive income and uh, being able to make a massive impact on other people's lives with that income, totally changing your, your family tree and, and the legacy that you leave behind with that, 
but then also there's this legacy that you you're going to be building over the next 30, 40, 50 years of the rest of your life and know that that is the journey and that's the reward is it's, it's in the journey and in the pursuit of greatness. That is one of the best answers I have ever heard is the pursuit is the reward. And like you said, is it cliche? Yeah, we've heard it a lot, but is it the most true thing on the planet? Absolutely. And, and I would just add to that guys like yourself and, and guys like Dr. Axe that have these concepts of being able to tithe 90% and keep 10. I mean, that's why you should be your greatest, right? Because think of how much you'll be giving away. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Evan, I can't thank you much enough, man. Um, excellent interview. And, and I'm just so grateful for all of the incredible knowledge that you dropped on everybody. Chris, thank you. It's, uh, it's an honor and it's been a pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.